<laughs> Welcome to episode three of the Zooch Wild College Football Podcast. And Zooch, if you can't see my name here, I was I was wrong. I was so wrong. I I'm I am almost embarrassed for how wrong I was, man. <laughs> it was <clears throat> I was oh I was pretty surprised. I get Colorado may taste they came and punched TCU in the mouth, man. And I was talking all last week about how TCU was going to beat them by three touchdowns. I, I, I hope Deion Sanders didn't hear our last episode, or he's going to call me out in a press conference, man. We hey, man, ah. it was it was they almost had the perfect game plan because they didn't take too many deep shots because I know their offensive line is kind of spotty, but they just let Shador Sanders sit back there and do some like dunk dump off passes and handed yeah. it off when they need to. And then not that they didn't take big shot. I mean, realistically they could have had like 63 points because Travis Hunter dropped that touchdown. He, mm-hmm. a couple other guys he overthrew or they dropped long balls. It was, I think you got to see in that game, how good of, obviously he brought in good players, but I think you got to see how good of a coaching staff Deion Sanders. Oh yeah. I mean, people forget he has, I mentioned last week he had the uh, Kent State. This is a game I really want to dive in. There's a lot of different little quirks and stuff about this game. I know it's week one. We don't want to overreact. But I think this game might be truly telling you how the season could go for these two schools. In Colorado, like you mentioned, their coaching staff is loaded. They have Warren Sapp. Is is he a full-time coach there? I'm not sure, but he was up there. He's there all the time. Irvin's always up there. And um, uh, shoot, it's the uh, the old Kent State head coach is there, being being yeah, an offensive Sean coordinator, Sean Lewis. He's there, and if you're TCU, I honestly, I mean, who's the guy that they got to take over Riley's brother? It's um, uh, shoot, it's someone else who I should know. Who's the new TCU, O coordinator? Because uh, Kendall Bryles left, he went to Clemson, which we'll talk about later. No, oh, they... it, it 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 was Bryles because it's uh, oh, Garrett okay. Riley who left. I'll tell you what, man. If you're a TCU fan, I was talking to my dad about this watching the game. Chandler Morris looked so painfully average. I mean, all the throws that Max Dugan made last year, Chandler Morris didn't make. I mean, I was talking to my dad about this. He looked like a robot. It was literally like a QB robot. It was drop back, look at my first option, look at my second option, force a throw a run. There was no nuance of reading the specialty of the defense for me and tcu had the same old same old defense last year with uh less draft picks by the looks of it if you're tcu the one bright spot is that the sanders transfer the the running back looks really really good but other than that i think if you're tcu you oh it might be a seven eight win like if, if, if you play like that the rest of the year you'll be lucky if you get eight wins yeah, because they got – I mean, Colorado pretty much went down the field at will, obviously, because Shador Sanders had over 500 passing yards. But it's almost like they knew what was coming, too. Mm-hmm. And they I got that sense as well. They couldn't do anything to stop it. I mean, I, I think Travis Hunter is good, but the man played 110 snap, snaps, and it was like, he had 11 catches. Like, you would think that – a little bit into the game, they would try to move some somebody around to be like, all right, we need to get, you know, that linebacker with the uh, neck thing on off of 
covering him because there was like three or four times <laughs> the ne- that he was Hodges, like, Johnny Hodges from Navy. <laughs> yeah. There was like three or four times that he was Did you like see what Johnny Hodges him. had to say uh, this week? <laughs> he said, I don't know. It, it was something along the lines of, I don't know if there's like a more embarrassing, like embarrassed football program in the nation right now or something along the lines of that for TCU because of the uh, blowout to Georgia and uh, <laughs> losing to Colorado first game of the year. Yeah, and then even uh, Joe Horn Jr., he transferred. I'm not sure exactly where he – I know he's a transfer, though. He's from USF. He was, USF. He's from USF. He was going off on him, too. It was – it was. I thought if Colorado won, it would be like 28 to 24. But it got – like, I think TC was almost lucky to be in the game. Like, they had the big punt return uh, touchdown – or it wasn't a touchdown, or kickoff return, and they got – because I missed that part because we were going into the Washington game right after uh, Colorado had scored. So I'm, I started looking at my phone. I'm like, geez, why is TC already about to score? That's the reason why. But they had that. Travis Hunter dropped a touchdown pass. It was mm-hmm. – I mean, Colorado could have scored 63 points, and most of those guys didn't get there until after – like they didn't even – they've been with each other for fall camp basically. I'm sure they worked out together yeah. over the summer and stuff, but – it was – I was amazed at how good they looked offensively. Defensively, they probably have some questions, but, I, I mean, it's I mean, not like the Pac-12 I mean, is if, known for its Yeah, defenses, that's what I mean. So. If you're in the Pac-12, I mean, Colorado, I'm trying to think of a team – I mean, Oregon didn't really get tested week one. I mean, we're going to go into Washington and how their defense – I mean, they look good, but it was against the Boise State team that we'll get more into. I think a Colorado team – that I mean, I think your defense doesn't have to be top notch if they want to make a run at this conference. If their if, if their offense can score fifty points a game, I, I think because you're not gonna beat a USC who mo- most people would agree and who I think is the top dog of that conference right now. Right. I don't think you're gonna beat them by trying to oh we're gonna play a defensive stalemate and play field position. No, you're gonna have to try to either initially punch them in the mouth and get them off their game, or just try to keep up with them like it's a pinball arcade game and just try to keep up with them with points. And that's what Colorado did to TCU. The thing I was most impressed about about Colorado or something that was like a dark horse impressed to me about is the whole offseason people were saying, okay, well, we know they got some transfers or some big athletes, but, you know, how are those guys in the line going to look? How are the trench players going to look? And, yeah, the, the defense looked shaky at times, but I think they did a great job of scheming for that offensive line. I really exactly. did. They had a lot of Shadir Sanders on the run, a lot of quick – possession passes a lot of the run plays were zone where they got their guys in space because I, I looked at the size of the colorado offensive line they're not the, the biggest line they, they they got a couple guys under 300 pounds and they schemed really well i don't know who the offensive line coach is for colorado but whoever you are you deserve to eat a ton of chicken wings and beers and ribs and birthday cake and whatever you want this week because you i think minus shadir sanders and uh jackson you're the you you're the mvp of the game the way that their offensive line was able to handle tcus right and i think that's what people were kind of missing with this what deon sanders built there i like obviously people talked about sure sanders travis hunter people he brought in but no i didn't never really heard a ton of people talking about like the coaching staff and you saw like they knew going into that game all right weak point offensive line let's game plan to where we're 
he threw it like 40 something times and had 510 yards. So it's not like it was just every play, you know, a 35 yard pass. Like that first drive, he went short most of the time. And then when they needed, got to like third and three, they would, they had that option still to be like, we're going to throw it or run it. And then TCU's defense had no idea where to be anything like that. So it was, it was almost a master class of, and I don't know how much game planning Deion Sanders does. I don't think he has to. I don't think that's his MO is to, you know, uh-huh. he's going to come in. I think he lets the guys he brought in make the game plan. And he's kind of, you know, I mean, you saw him in the uh, locker room before the game. He, he's the motivator. Like that's his job, motivate people and recruit people. And once they get there, he has good coaches to just let those guys go wild. Mm-hmm. All right. One last thing I'm going to say about the TCU Colorado game. Uh, did you see those TCU kids in the stands? <laughs> when <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've seen the clip. Those kids, man. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, for, I don't know if TCU's got a deal. I, I mean, I've, I've been to their student section. I mean, their, their student store and they got deals with like all different kinds of brands. They need to get a deal with, with new balances and plain Hanes white socks. Cause I mean, man, I mean, they, it, it was the fun. It was like a scene out of a movie. The Lillian, who said that? And did you see the kid who like throws up like the, like the half-assed like flip off in that video? Like he gives him like the, <laughs> like the elementary school little boom. Oh, it was, that whole uh, game was hilarious. Cause I, and what was crazy about that video and then their reaction when, with the interception was yeah. I was watching that game on TV at a tailgate. And this guy, Travis Hunter, came out and I thought it was a touchdown. I was like, oh, there's no, a touchdown same. for TCU. And he he came out of nowhere and picked that ball off. It was mm-hmm. – and looked over there. It was – the whole thing was great. But, yeah, it was it was a great way to start out the real week one of college football. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will say it is ironic that a lot of the Colorado Bullets, like, yeah, we punk them kids, them soft kids at TCU – just look at the student section in Boulder this week versus Nebraska, and it might be the pot calling the kettle black. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, was... um, uh, <laughs> yeah, the student anyway. section in Boulder and um, uh, TCU are quite identical. But let's get into some other games. Uh, FSU, I was also a little I, – I, was, I wasn't as wrong on this game, but I was wrong about FSU. I, I, I thought LSU was going to win, and I was pretty confident going into halftime. And it's like F, the FSU that came out with a fire – and a passion that, I mean, Brian Kelly, I mean, I'll, I'll also say Brian Kelly, all time, like throw people under the bus guy. I mean, after the game, you're saying, I don't got, we, we're not as good of a team as we think we are. Well, man, I th- you're the head coach, dude. Like, what are you talking about? But yeah, FSU look good. Yeah, that's, and I understand. And I think they were LSU was a little overrated coming into this year. You know, they had the Alabama win at the end of the game. They still had four losses last year. I know FSU had three. But, yeah, like, I don't – I didn't really see anything from LSU that makes me think that they could rebound from this game. Like, I didn't – it wasn't, you know – It No, it – it seems like it's going to be like one of those Citrus Bowl versus Wisconsin type seasons for LSU. That's the overreaction. If you're looking at this through the overreaction lens, that's the overreaction if you're an LSU fan. Yeah, it's 
And they still have, you know, Ole Miss, Auburn looked pretty good. Alabama's Alabama. Florida didn't look good, but they played them. I'm not entirely sure who else they play from the East, but Brian Kelly went from Dark Horse National title contender to kind of, I think, on the hot seat because he's 10 and 5 now through well, 15 it's hard. games. It's hard to be the hard ass style coach when you're not winning. You know, it's if if you're like the lovable, hey, like, eh, we're we're gonna be great, we're gonna do all this. I think a lot of the colleges they'll give you a little fudge room, you know, if you have a couple bad games or a little season. But if you run that, I'm the hard ass, everything's like this, this is this is my program, I'm gonna run it how I want. That's great. Colleges they can say all they want about, oh, we're going to treat people like, right. They don't give a crap about that if you're winning football games. No. Now, if you're not winning football games, then there's a different story. Then you're just, then, then you're just a jerk that no one wants to be around. Right. So it's uh, looking like it's going to be a long season down in Baton Rouge. You don't really want to start out with a, Really, they were down 28. They got that, like, blown coverage play mm-hmm. at the minute left or whatever it was. But long season in Baton Rouge and kind of going into the next game with Clemson, but it looks like it oh, could the be the ACC uh... looks open. Wait, 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 wait. Hickory dickory duck. The mouse ran up the clock. Coach Sweeney's got that drip, and now he lost to Duke. Dabo Sweeney could not have happened to a better person this week. He, oh my gosh, this loss could not have come at a better time. Thank you to the Blue Duke, Blue, the Duke Blue Devils. Wow, I'm so excited I can't even pronounce their name. But thank you, Duke. I will never tell you that during basketball season, but thank you, Duke, for beating Dabo Sweeney. This, this is just a pleasure for me to watch on a Monday night. It was, and they kind of got beaten down, too. I mean, they're Clemson, and they had Riley Leonard seven good. points versus Duke. It's not like, you know, a couple years ago when they played Georgia and lost 10-3, it's like, all right, like, new quarterback, stuff was moving around, you lost a lot of pieces. 10-3 is acceptable a little bit in that situation, but 28-7, to that was the final, right? They didn't score again. No, they didn't. And they're, they're a muffed punt away from being shut out. You remember that yeah. touchdown came off a muffed punt in the first half. And this is for, for, for me, I'm watching this game and I'm so used to seeing Clemson have these just freak athletes on the field. And besides Will Shipley, no one looked physically imposing on Clemson. I mean, I'm so no. used to seeing Clemson have a tight end or a quarterback or a receiver. Just like they look like they're the most athletic on the field. And Clemson, they they don't look like the Clemson I'm used to. They look, they look like what Duke is supposed to be. You know, a couple good players that'll get drafted, but you know, they're going to win eight or nine games and that's it. Clemson, I mean, they didn't even come close to what their um, uh, total over was supposed to be with points. No, and a lot, and a lot of, yeah. And, and a lot of Clemson fans, you know, you, you blame DJ Ugiolele, who's on Oregon state now for a lot of your problems. I think if this problem persists, there's going to be some real deep reflection going, whoa, what way do we go? Because Dabo, we know he hasn't embraced NIL. We know he hasn't embraced the transfer portal. The team that we saw on Monday 
looked like a team that probably could have used five or six people from the transfer portal. Yeah, they needed something, and you know they had to be really worried about this Cade Clubnet guy because he, <laughs> you know, was supposed to be. And I get it, you know. A lot I read of a Twitter. Star- I read a tweet that said he was only like a five star because he had like a couple five star like receivers he was throwing to in Texas. But it could have. Been, I mean, it looks that way right now. Like I get, you know, he's he. I don't think he even started a game last year. Maybe the bowl game. Yeah, he started the bowl game, and he he game. got in a lot, but it was all garbage time when they were up. Yeah, so he's still you know young, but you definitely. It was weird though. It's almost like they didn't. Garrett Riley came in there, and they're supposed to be running the air raid now, basically, and it they weren't really letting him throw the ball. Like everything was basically 10 yards or less and i get mm-hmm. that you know that's more of like a run and shoot thing to me where it's yeah you don't have a lot of time to pass you know air raid yeah you'll do those small passes but you're also kind of looking deep like mm-hmm. once every four or five plays yeah. and they just weren't either he didn't have time to or they weren't doing it so it's gonna be fsu has to be looking their chops for that game oh, they didn't get beat oh. up by clemson here recently and I'm not sure if I think that game's in Clemson and Death Valley, whatever. People can argue about what the real Death Valley is. It's in the Clemson Death Valley. Well, it's not. So, I'll, I'll say my Death Valley is not the one where the 50 year old in khakis sprints down in front of his team like it's all about him. So that's my opinion on the real Death Valley. It's, it might be a very, uh, he, he's not going to be on the hot seat. He's done too much there, but. If it, you know, gets to four or five losses, it might be a slightly warmer than usual Death Valley in <laughs> late December. Uh, the Clemson, like I said, could not have happened to a better program. We talk a lot about Clemson. I'll just say a little bit about Duke. Riley Leonard looks good. And if that defense performs well, I mean, FSU, did, has, has the ACC gone away with uh, divisions or no? No, I, th- I believe they still have their divisions. And is Duke, it, is Duke in... Florida State's division. I think so. I would have to double check on that. The ACC was the one I know the least about. That's a bummer because if Duke is not, or even if they can keep it close, if they can stay in that second spot real close to FSU, you're looking at a dark horse team to make a large bowl game, Duke. I really like what Mike Elko has going there. He this like the best turnaround in like the last 10 years. They won one game two years ago and they, he got them to like eight or nine wins last year and keeps improving. Also make you old moment. Al blades, his son playing safety on Duke. Yeah, that's not okay. I like, <laughs> vividly remember Al blades playing at Miami and, or his, and his son was at Miami, right? He transferred. Yeah. To Duke, I believe. Yes. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's just getting to be that time where you're starting to see some guys that, you know, were those early 2000s players who have kids who are in college. I mean, it makes a little bit of sense now. You're going to start seeing more and more of it, and it's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the natural rule of life. Like, people have mm-hmm. kids, they grow up. But that one is wild to see his kid out there running around. Mm-hmm. And I, like, vividly remember his dad killing people. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I guess anything else you want to talk about week one? I have, I have just two more quick notes. Uh, I have a couple that are, they're not big things. I just need to know what was out of 
these moments, what was the funniest to you? Butch Jones <laughs> having to take a knee when it was 73 to zero. Literally just like collapsing to the ground. I thought that was going to be the best moment until I saw Shane Beamer playing. Claim the hot Shane dog, Beamer. guys. He's like, they're out. He's like, that's just the story of the game. We tried to kick an onside kick to start the second half, but the chain gang was out eating a hot dog. Or, or is it this? Or, or is it Michigan honoring like the dead coach play? <laughs> but they had Harbaugh on a self-imposed ban. And we had Hugh Freeze, who I don't even know who the girl was, but a girl yeah. who I, I looked on her Twitter and it was like GOP Congresswoman, former Miss Ohio, and she just oh, he goes, War Eagle baby. He's like, you know what it is, War Eagle, and she was like. All she had tweeted was like, who's going to win, FSU or LSU? And he just, out of nowhere, <laughs> Oh, Hugh Freeze, is, Hugh Freeze is so happy to be out of Liberty. And now he's at Auburn, he can get back to Horny Freeze. He can get back to Horny Freeze. And basically, if he's winning, do whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And I, not bad enough. As much as I would like to say one of the other ones, the Butch Jones on the knee one is my favorite. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing still. <laughs> that Butch Jones. He was his hand over his face like he's lost a loved one. And I saw a quote tweet. I saw a quote tweet where it was like, man, if I saw a coach crying and we're up 70 to nothing, I'm immediately calling for a Hail Mary because I got to drop 80 on him to see what happens. I saw that one. And an underrated funny one, which you have to have Twitter to have seen this one, was the Ryan Day tweets when they were struggling to score against Indiana. Like I saw yeah. one that was Ryan Day without a generational quarterback and it was a picture of Charlie Weiss. And then I saw Charlie Weiss. And those always and it's like I mean I think Ohio State will be fine at quarterback. They usually it takes guys a little bit to get going. But that is one of the things that I miss about other sorts have good stuff, but co- football, college f- football specifically, mm-hmm. you just have these characters who, like Butch Jones is, like you have to know the backstory of Butch Jones <laughs> for it to be as, as funny, funny as, it, as is. it is. But yeah, I think him taking, in, like just like the visual of him is literally yeah. going down to a knee and the player like picking him up and like patting him on the back. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, man, that's a great way to end talking about week one. What a great week. Um, week two. Uh, let's get into some storylines, Zooch. Yeah. All right. Now, before we have a storyline, breaking news from the Zooch and Wild podcast crew. I will be in attendance this week of the Auburn Cal game in Berkeley. We will have boots on the ground <laughs> to watch Auburn Cal this week. Potentially the, the biggest sicko game of the week. And it's you have to be careful because I see quite a bit of Auburn Twitter stuff, especially after I was endlessly searching Twitter for just hours on end last year when after Harson got fired and mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin was rumored to go there and just kind of seeing like what people thought of Harson, what if Lane Kiffin was going there. It is officially Cal Hate Week on <laughs> Auburn Twitter, and they have. People, I saw people going today. They were leaving today to get out to the. I would love, I'd love to see those Auburn boosters when they get to Berkeley, California. Oh man, they they are going to be 
comparing it to 1970s communist Yugoslavia in their mind. That's where they're going. <laughs> That's where they're going. Well, and two, with that game, I think it's going to be one of those weirdly, like, for some reason, when the Pac-12 plays the SEC, and it's always a game like that, like you have Cal Auburn and then Mississippi State, Arizona, those games are always pretty good and a lot closer uh-huh. than I think the SEC team's fan bases think they're going to be. Uh-huh. So it will be a interesting development if Cal ends up somehow like Auburn's riding pretty high. Like they have the coach, one of the coaches they wanted. They're happy to be rid of Brian Harson. Uh-huh. But if they lose this one, it's I mean it's the SEC. He's gonna he won't be on the hot seat literally, but it's gonna it's gonna be almost a one eighty. They're gonna be like this guy because they're gonna look at Cal and be like, oh, it's Cal. They Hardly ever win. No conference wanted them, except the ACC finally just like <laughs> lackadaisical invited them. So that will be a fun one to be at. What no, time I, does it start? I, uh, I think it's a night game. I think it's a night game. But yeah, not to. Yeah, it, it is a night game. So that means it's going to be a half empty Memorial Stadium, which will make it even better. It'll make it even better. But let's get to some actual good football storylines. Texas, Alabama. We, we, we got some band wars going on with the putting the bands in the top story, the top level of the stadium. We got some unproven quarterbacks. I'm I'm excited for this game. I'm I'm excited for that one too. And it's a that's another one that's like a weird. I don't know. Like that almost seems like for Saban, it's not a make or break. Like they can lose that game and they're Alabama. You know, win out. Your only loss is to Texas. They'll make the playoff. But for Sark. You know, we mockingly joke about the Texas is back, but he kind of needs to win that one. Like they had, they were close last year, but didn't win it. They had some losses last year they probably shouldn't have. And it's time for him to beat the allegations. The allegations Mm -hmm. against him are you might win eight or nine games, but like four times a year, you will quite possibly look like the biggest moron to ever. It's also time for. It's time for Texas to finally put that talent to use. We always see Texas on top of these recruiting classes. And then when it comes to NFL draft time, they're not sending many guys. And this year, they will be able to send more guys than usual. You finally have a quarterback in Quinn Ewers, who, if you would have looked at this game three years ago, if I would have told you Texas is going to have the QB advantage versus Alabama, you would have called me crazy. But they do. I mean, Jalen Milrow is good. He looked good last week. He might even look great last week, but Quinn Ewers is the more proven commodity. He's the more proven player. And this is Quinn Ewers was playing Alabama close last year until he got hurt. Texas probably would have won that game last year if Quinn Ewers hasn't right. hurt. So I'm excited for this game. I will say, win or lose, liquor stores of Tuscaloosa, watch out because Sark is coming. <laughs> he is coming. <laughs> and he will be there regardless of the final outcome. Of that game. Yeah, no, he will not. Yes, yes, he will. Let's let's hope he's staying clean. But man, I don't want to hear another USC practice story from good old Sark. But uh, yes, the man who <laughs> consistently loses and moves up in the world. I've never yeah. seen anything like he's he, just a. He's like the um uh, less athletic stepbrother of Cliff Kingsbury. They just always seem to move up, and <laughs> they just always seem to move up by just doing bare minimum. Yeah, like that. 
Sark was at Washington and was fine. The I guess the uh, Jimmy Lake was terrible there, but the last Chris Peterson and Kalen DeBoer have made Washington like a top ten team, and Sark mm-hmm. was nine and four, eight and five. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're six and zero. Oh, well, now it's time for you to, for some reason, lose to Stanford by like twenty points. <laughs> That's just what he does, and I, I mean, honestly, I could almost see Texas winning this game, and then next week, it is all blowing up on them, and that's they just, just lose to, like, Baylor or something? Yeah, that's the allegations against him, is that he doesn't always perform the best from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. I don't think he's ever had less than four losses in a season as a head coach, and he's had jobs at USC and Texas like two of the I, biggest power programs in the nation. I cannot tell you either. I cannot tell you either. But let's get to uh, your top storyline of the week. So my top storyline of the week, it's got to be, and it's almost in an ironic way, this Colorado-Nebraska game. So coming right. into this season, you know, we already talked about what people thought of Colorado. But for Nebraska to come into the season and lose like they did last week, <laughs> like if you if you told, and Nebraska has a great fan base, but Colorado was at the depths of hell in where their program was. One Colorado's man, back before Nebraska. Colorado's back before Nebraska. Colorado's back before Nebraska, and if you go up there and get, like I think it'll be a close game. Nebraska. I mean, that's a crazy part about Nebraska. They have legitimately like twenty-five one-score losses. Yeah, yeah. Matt Rule and, will just be in his smock, his his t-shirt windbreaker, just looking so distressed. And and him, Nebraska, they they have talent, but I don't know who their quarterback is. When I was watching that Minnesota game, it looked like he couldn't read a defense. Like it, it actually looked like he couldn't read a defense. Yeah, and it just I don't. I mean. You know, the next guy is always supposed to be the guy, but it almost feels like they're at the point now where that's like they need to win that game. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I know, you know, they'll be 0-2 with a conference loss and can still get to a decent bowl game. You know, teams – all like, there's a lot of teams that start out 0-2, 1-3, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and finish the season strong. But that's a bit – you know, they're kind of recruiting rivals, and – Things are looking really positive right now in Colorado if you're a high-profile recruit, and they haven't been looking positive in Nebraska for a while, and I just don't know if you go to Boulder and lose that game, especially big, mm-hmm. how you – like, you know, they got to compete with these guys like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, now USC – Washington is getting some good recruits. So they like that's a Colorado can lose that game and they'll be fine. Like, you know, uh-huh. it almost seems like to me Deion Sanders knows they're not going to go undefeated and he if they lose it he'll be completely fine. Like he won't be happy about it, but Nebraska starts out 0 and 2 in the Matt Rule era. Chaos. It's chaos and, you know, Matt Rule didn't have the best ending at in the NFL. I know that's a lot different than college, but there will be some questions on if he was the, and it, a lot of it comes from that Minnesota loss. Like, and it was just, and I think it's unfair. It was how they lost I think too. Nebraska, like, Nebraska thinks they're better than they actually are. Matt Rule inherited a dumpster fire like Dion 
However, he's not afforded the luxuries of Dion being able to pull from the transfer portal and having great players at Jackson just to pop over and the connections of getting a world-class staff right away and having the pressure that Nebraska has. Ne- Nebraska needs to realize they are what Colorado should be with like with Dion. They're in for a long rebuild. I know they want a fast rebuild, but this is a program. It's probably going to take three or four recruiting classes and i know big red husker nation doesn't want to hear it because they're just they are missing the days of well, shoot tom osborne in the neck roll boys on offensive line there but it, it, it's, it's not 1996 anymore nebraska like everyone has a strength program you just have to take a deep breath and realize give matt rule a shot because if matt rule can't turn you around you might as well become indiana honestly Nebraska went wrong when they played Miami in the national title game in like 2001 and Andre Johnson was running all over guys <laughs> who basically thought if you ate oatmeal and did a couple of bench presses that you were going to win the national title. <laughs> they haven't they haven't like, seen a bubble screen. <laughs> yeah, I and that's what we like it's strange to me about them is like I cannot off the top of my head name like legitimately the best skill player they've had in the league i think since 2000 is rex burkhead like i seriously cannot think of a net like a uh amir abdullah maybe yeah amir abdullah he was fine but it's not you know wide receivers no i can't think of one honestly and they haven't had that in forever they've had good defenses obviously they had they almost beat texas that year single-handedly with nadamik and sue because he was wrecking texas all basically all by himself but they very much lack in the skill position part of football Uh and they're about to play a team who is basically built around our skill position players Uh are going to be better than yours like uh travis hunter is probably licking his chops watching that quarterback (laughs) film yeah and these receivers are probably like we're gonna i mean minnesota like minnesota is not a good offense and they, Minnesota had a hundred yard receiver. Minnesota, the, the, the one yeah, guy had so like nine catches. And I like it's just that's a big game for like that'll be back to back weeks that Nebraska is kind of you know they played what last I guess they were up against the Utah Florida game but yeah two weeks in a row where you're one of them like they'll be the only really big game on at ten in the morning at the big noon kickoff and. Mm-hmm. That's a great place to, you know, show that you've kind of ch- turned things around. And if they don't, if they go out there and lose like 41 to 14, then like you said, it's going to be, and I think he deserves a chance. I mean, at this point, Nebraska has to give Matt Rule a chance because if he doesn't work yeah. out, where, like, where do you go? It's, you know, the last coach you had was like the golden boy and he was horrible. Mm-hmm. So if this doesn't work out, I think you're, I don't know. I just think your bet, like, I don't, their best days might be past them already, but if he doesn't do a good job there, then I don't, I don't know where they turn in terms of, you know, I trying think, to rebuild that program. I, I think mean, at it, that it, point, then it's not, it, it, at that point, if I'll, I'll end it on this, if Matt Rule can't turn around Nebraska, it's not like, oh, like, we're going to bring Nebraska back. It's, no, we have to start Nebraska because Nebraska yeah. has been over. Like, there's no Nebraska's back. It's, we started a new Nebraska. Um, Zooch, I guess before 
we get into the uh, weekly segments of me matchup and high low Buffalo. You want to give us a, a quick rundown of what you saw in Seattle for the UW Boise game. Just a couple minutes. What, what were some funny moments? What were the emotions well, watching that game? So we get to the stadium and the night before I had put a parlay on Colorado to win straight up and us to win straight up. Cause I had some in one of my accounts and from Vegas, I'd had some money left over in there on that bet MGM or whatever it's called. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put, take that money, transfer it to my bank account, put it on one that I use. It's like a foreign one that they basically like, you have to do all this, not weird, but like, you know, it's not going to be in your account the next day if you want to cash out. So <laughs> I did a $75 parlay on Colorado, Boise State to win straight up. So we're walking to the stadium. I'm trying to watch the end of that game. And that last uh, TCU drive was literally going on when the national anthem is about to start. And I'm like, because I had a uh, ability to pull out of the – before the second game started. So I was like, and Colorado wins, right? So Colorado wins. Yeah. It was 75 to win almost $3,000. Damn, Colorado God. wins. We score. Go up six to nothing. It's at like nine hundred dollars that I could have, and, and I didn't. I was like, you, no. You I'll wait. home a ride? Oh no! Shouldn't have done it. I go to the <laughs> bathroom and like come back to my seat. I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, why is Washington <laughs> already on like the two? It, and I was like, fast. Like, there's a bathroom right by our seat, and it just went. And I, like, there's some stuff I didn't even see on TV, like. I sent it to you guys in the group chat the other day. I should have, if I would have seen whoever that was on the kickoff team just like blow his knees <laughs> yeah. out, like without even being close to making a tackle, I would have been like, all right, I got it. I'm cutting my losses. Like the nine. I noticed that too. Did we figure out who that kid was who just like collapsed on the first play? I have no idea. But he, I feel like, bad when, because they're like, did, did someone like drag him off? Like, like he was a wounded I mean, soldier. Like I thought they were gonna give him like a couple of seconds. Like, oh, there's a Boise State player down. Looks like his knees hurt. Like they just completely yeah. glossed over it. Well, I didn't even see what happened because I thought like when I was watching it live, I'm like, oh god, he's about to like house this. It's gonna be a long day. But you know, it was a pretty decent first quarter. We looked pretty good. You know, had a good long drive there, like ten plays, ninety yards, whatever it was. But then Washington made an adjustment of what they were going to do on offense, which was basically, oh, let's run four birds because mm-hmm. they can't cover said, any of our. I mean, there was they didn't have the speed in the. I mean, that that's the difference. There just there wasn't enough speed. I like the effort that Boise State played with, but the speed and quickness was definitely lacking at all the skill positions in terms of keeping up with Washington's receivers and creating space from Washington's secondary. Yeah, and I don't necessarily know that it should have been a 37-point loss. I mean, there were times that, you know, we could have had, like, four first downs and guys were dropping wide-open passes. There was, you know, just stuff like that. And just, like, I don't know. It almost seemed like we couldn't adjust to anything they were doing. Like, they were running basically the same three or four plays Every time, and make no mistake, Michael Penix, Rome Aduzier, or however you say his last name, those guys are really good. But they look even better when you don't get any pressure on the quarterback after the first mm-hmm. drive of the game. Uh, so, like, they just, BSU didn't play well, which added into 
Washington didn't play extremely well from the second quarter on, but it was, you know, it was still fun to go. It's a nice stadium, uh, cool environment. The weather was really nice. I think it got, only it got up to like 80 that day. They had a pretty cool uh, Boise State tailgate that we hung out at for a little bit. Uh, nice to get off work for four days, go do that. Uh, so we'll see. They got a blast, yeah. Yeah, they – We'll talk about it more next week after that BSU UCF game, but I'm oh, that's a some, big one. That's I'm a big gonna one. have some thoughts if <laughs> they don't win that game. I already have. Well, I'll, I'll make sure. I'll, I'll I'll put it down in my notes. Set aside some time for next week's show, win or loss, about Zooch, because we we could have an all-time Zooch rant if they lose. We could. Yeah, and I've been pretty. I mean. We don't get into it right now, but I was pretty defensive for a while of Hank Bachmeyer. I've been pretty defensive now for a while of Andy Avalos, but rent is due. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So now we're time for the weekly, the weekly segments, the meme matchup of the week. And Zooch, I want to see if you have the same meme matchup as I do, because I think this one's as clear as day. So mine is it. Is yours Iowa versus Iowa State? I almost went with I was going to go with that one, but I was looking <laughs> through the games and I okay. had to go with UTEP versus Northwestern. Guess the line <laughs> guess the line in that game. Nineteen and a half. No, UTEP is favored. Oh, oh, nineteen and a half. Oh, I I thought you meant total points. My bad. Oh. <laughs> No, uh, UTEP is going to be favored by seven and a half. It was like when I last looked at it, two and a half. UTEP is favored at Northwestern. At Northwestern. At Northwestern, they're favored. Man, uh, Greeny is Greeny and Ravel and all the Northwestern journalists are just clamoring and in, in their in their houses right silence. now. I looked at all their twitters the <laughs> yes, other day after have. that game, and they are not speaking on Northwestern. It. They're always they're always so loud when someone else breaks the rules or is does something weird. But you know, when Northwestern, there it's crickets over there, over there by the lake in Evanston. Um, no, oh my gosh, is that is so? Is that's at at Northwestern? Is that a night game or is that a day game? Please tell me it's a night I, game. So they have to bring if it's a night game and they have to bring in the <laughs> the the temporary lights. Because how are you? Because they're the Big Ten stadium that doesn't have permanent lighting. It, it, everything about Northwestern is a meme to me. Yeah, if you are ever a, which I can't say much because we lost to them by 17 last year, but if you are a Power Five school and you are underdogs to Texas El Paso, things <laughs> have gone more wayward than possibly imaginable. At home, home dogs. I mean, Boise State lost to them last year, but even if even with Hank Bachmeyer on this year's Boise team, I still think Boise State would have been favored by a couple points this year if they played on the blue. Yeah, we like, were favored is... by like 17 or something last year. I mean, it didn't go well at all. People lost their jobs. <laughs> the Miners, yep, 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 yep. Miners, yep, 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 yep. They, they have like the orange and the blue guy in, 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 in the Sun Bowl. Oh, man, those guys are awesome. Well, I alluded to it before. My meme matchup. Is the obvious. So, some might say this is the meme Super Bowl, Iowa versus Iowa State, and we know all about the Ferentz brothers, the wild brother, the wild adventures of the Ferentz brothers, and this is a matchup 
that'll bring a tear to your eye if you love the grittiness of college football. And I'm going to read you a stat line, Zooch, of <laughs> Iowa State's quarterback last week, Rocco Becht, who just sounds like the most Midwestern quarterback of all time, Rocco Becht. <laughs> His stat line, and mind you, this is against Northern Illinois, 10 for 13 <laughs> for 113 yards. He had two touchdowns, but 10 for 13 for 113 yards. Their leading rusher had like 50 yards. This is going to be a game that is so, this is like the classic 23 to 17 matchup. And, you know, some tight end's going to break a 70 yard touchdown on a play action. I I can't wait for it. And to top it all off, Donald Trump's going to be there to watch it. I he saw some him. tweets that said I would rather be in prison than watch an Iowa uh, Iowa State game. Yeah, I, that would be a. I mean, I'm sure he's there for like campaigning reasons or whatever it is. He like he's a politician. It's good to make a showing at those things because you are gonna like at that game. Definitely, he'll get cheered. I guess, but there is not a game I would rather go to. I just watching i can't even watch iowa on tv like i'll put one of their games on and it's it hurts my like head to watch it because they have not <laughs> developed an offense since like 1937 like their <laughs> offense still like i almost think that kirk ferentz still thinks we live in like the prohibition era with how he do runs. you remember when they lost to michigan state in the big 10 championship in like 2015 like 14 to like 12 like literally if they would have scored like two touchdowns and a two-point conversion like they would have been playing in the college football playoff but they couldn't that, <laughs> like, that's that iowa. iowa for you that's i mean that's iowa and it's so funny but hey trump six three two fifteen maybe i could use him as tight end <laughs> if he is on the field i will it'll be funny no matter what you think about the man if he, when they show him on tv in the iowa <laughs> iowa state game it will be It'll be the oh, meme. Like, that's that's why it's the meme matchup. Everything about it is a meme. Everything about that game is a meme. The fans is a meme. The quarterback plays a meme. The offense is a meme. The defense is a meme. Donald Trump's there. That's a meme. This is oh, it's it it it's no. Oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it, watching that game. That, that I know I'm going to turn it off be, in the second quarter because it will be bad. <laughs> because it will be three to nothing after the first quarter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Well. We're going to move into our last segment now, uh, high-low, Buffalo. And it is week one, so we got to get a little bit of overreactions in there. This is high-low, Buffalo, coaches hot seats post-week one. Um, I can go first. And this, again, like I said last week, for my high of coach on the hot seat, it's punching down. It's Neil Brown. And it's not even hot at this point. He's just on fire. He is yeah, because he's because he's going to be fired. He is going to be fired. I wasn't right about a lot of stuff last week, but I was right about West Virginia getting the absolute bricks beaten off of them. My goodness. They Neil Brown needs to go yesterday if you're a West Virginia fan. And like you said, I don't I think he's the kind of guy who doesn't even realize like he's gonna get fired and he's gonna go, What? No, he has no <laughs> clue. He's gonna be like just floored today. And it's <laughs> I can't even believe they brought him back this year, but they just can't. Like, you would think they would look – I mean, I know Penn State's supposed to be good, but you would think they would at least – if they had lost, like, 37-30, to 30, you'd be like, all right, they're, you know, a top-10 team. You played them on the road. 
that's a respectable loss, but they got killed by and it was a by a quarterback making his first ever start. Like you couldn't mm-hmm. draw up anything to like throw the dude off of his game or anything like yeah, that. I mean it wasn't it wasn't good. I mean, and that's Neil Brown. I think Neil Brown's the kind of guy he needs to go back to a smaller FBS school or like a coordinator job at a big FCS school and get his mind right before he gets another big time coaching gig. Um, uh, low for a coach on a hot seat is Mike Norvell, Florida State. I think with that win, Florida State fans can kind of let a big exhale out and go, okay, like the like the 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 project, the process, as Joel Embiid would say has paid off or is starting to pay off. You know, the first couple of years of Mike Norvell, it was a little iffy, but he told everyone dad down in Tallahassee, hey, stay with it. You got to stick with the program. You know, trust me. He had, he had a great job of getting transfers in the portal. Keon Coleman looked great last Saturday. And I think Mike Norvell can finally have a little bit of exhale. I know it's only one game, but I think you can kindly finally see the vision that he'd been preaching for a while. Yeah, he. I think they're probably very happy they kept him because you know I mean, if they had done worse than nine and three last year or ten and three, I don't know that they would have kept him. But I think he is, and you know, you never know what these coaches because you get some guys like even Dabo Sweeney when he first started at Clemson, he was his seat was getting pretty warm, and you know they were patient, paid off. They ended up being basically a dynasty. Then you get guys like Scott Frost, who you you give the benefit of the doubt to, and it just Never gets worse off. and worse and worse. So that one seems like it's finally paying off for the finally paying off down they, there. Yeah, they could. You know that schedule's looking a lot less tough with how Clemson looked, and if we they, don't know enough about get, Miami if they can yet. Get, if they can get past Clemson, look out. That's what I'm saying. They look get past Clemson, look out. Then my Buffalo coach, and I made it specifically when I was when we were talking about this segment. I didn't want to do head coaches. I just said coaches on the hot seat. Did I say head coaches in the intro? I hope I did it because the but my Buffalo coach is Brian Ferentz. I mean, because he has to hit that twenty-five point uh, point average total for him to keep his job, and he has to keep the eight. I think they have to win seven or eight games for him to keep his job as O coordinator. And he scored 24, I believe, versus Utah State, which is hitting the mark. But you have to think, man, you're going to play some good Big Ten schools later in the season. You want to try to front load on Utah State. So it's like, yeah, I guess you hit your mark, Brian. But, like, does he think he's going to score? Like, do they play Michigan or Ohio State this year or Penn State? They have to play one of them. Yeah, I'm sure they play one, if not two of them. I'm not entirely sure like, which one. Are you so. going to score, like, that many points? That's what I mean. It's kind of the Buffalo. Like, technically, like, he went just under hitting 25 points a game, so he's on track. But it's Utah State. You, you, I, if I was a Hawkeye fan, I would hope to see a little bit more. Yeah, they – it seems like, you know, we had the guy comment on our thing about Iowa's offense the other day. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I mean – we scored 42 against Utah State last year, and our offense was far from great. Like, mm-hmm. Utah State is a middling Mountain West team, and you only put up 
24 points against them. I hate to see what you're going to do again. Their fans think they're Georgia, though, the Utah State fans. They think that they're Georgia combined with Notre Dame combined with the Brazilian national football team. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> – he might be wishing he had a couple more touchdowns when they start getting into conference play because that mm-hmm. 25 points per game mark is looking like he might not be hitting that too often. So for my high, I'm going to go, it's kind of outside the box. G.J. Kinney led Texas State to their first ever win over a FB, like a Power 5 school. Legitimately yes, sir. First win since moving up. Now I was looking at their schedule, and they play Texas San Antonio this week. Or, yeah, Texas San Antonio this week, I believe. And then after that, they have Jackson State and start getting into their Sun Belt uh, portion of the schedule. So if they can win, and uh, Texas San Antonio is supposed to be pretty good this year. They lost to Houston by three. That will happen. Houston is a pretty good team. But if he can get them to, you know, that team has been horrible for years. If he can get them to nine or so wins, he's moving on up in the – like he's been an offensive quarterback. He was playing not that long ago. He was a quarterback at Tulsa, like less than 10 years ago. I'm I love the sure. Tulsa fun fact that like that school only has like 2000 kids and somehow they're able to like form like an F like, like an FBS program. Yeah. It's, they are quite possibly the most random FBS program. there is. It's like, they, sometimes I'll see them and Oh, they're one and nine makes sense. And then other years they'll be like 10 and two. And you're like, why, why are no, they makes so sense. good it's for like, absolutely yeah. no reason? Like, yeah. yeah. I could see Tulsa playing in like the holiday bowl or, like I could see them like relegated to like the Ohio Valley Conference tomorrow, and I wouldn't blink an eye at either. Yeah, it's they are just there. That's the perfect mm-hmm. way to describe them. Is Tulsa is mm-hmm. just there, but yeah, he if he can do some damn like who knows how little you know Baylor from what I read didn't play all that great, you know couldn't line up right stuff like that didn't look all that prepared. But if he beats Texas San Antonio. They'll beat Jackson State. That puts you at 3-0 and going into the Sun Belt. You know, you get nine or ten wins, and some of these schools, like we talked about earlier, West Virginia might come calling. Iowa mm-hmm. might come calling. There will be some decent gigs out there. So this is like a hot seat in terms of he will leave after the season not being fired, but it's a hot seat in terms of he's out of Texas yeah. State as fast as possible if someone else calls. I would think so because it's – you know, a relatively small school, they don't have, you know, it's not like a Boise State or UCF or Memphis mm-hmm. who has like a pretty decent history that could, you know, maybe they will fork up the money and try to get him to stay. But there's so many bigger schools around there that I think people are, you know, they might have gone to Texas State, but they give their money to A&M or Texas mm-hmm. or <laughs> whoever it is. And for those people, have some integrity. Come on now. Support the yeah, Bobcats. Give- Support if you're an alumni, support the school you went to with donations at least. And then for my low, I really think that it's it's kind of going into this week, but the low is going to be the winner of this Miami uh, Texas A&M mm-hmm. game because that you know Jimbo Fisher has to win that game. If he wins that game, people will be all high on Texas A&M. Like, oh, could they win the West? You know, LSU doesn't look as good. You know, you never know with Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State has a new coach, new offense, so on and so forth. Like, they usually play pretty well against Alabama. 
same thing for Miami. If they win this game, they're looking at, you know, I'm pretty sure they play Clemson. They're looking at that and are like, Florida State doesn't look that good. You know, North Carolina's fine. NC State's fine. But they could be a – I think the winner of that game has a legitimate shot at the college football playoff. The loser is going to be feeling it a little bit, especially if their name is Jimbo Fisher and they've had a top five recruiting class for like <laughs> 10 years in a row and can't seem to get it together. Well, as you pointed out last week, the, the troublesome trio of uh, of uh, Petrino, Fisher, and who's the other guy? Who's the other? Fisher, oh, Petrino, uh, Petrino, Fisher, and... The DC. Um, yeah. yeah that I cannot think there. of his name off the top of my head, but yeah, the Hellhounds. <laughs> yeah. But no, did you see the, um, uh, on the quick topic of Miami, I do think this is a big game for them. Cristobal, if Chris, it's kind of like the same situation as Matt Rule at Nebraska. If he can't put it together, who can at Miami? If Mario freaking Cristobal can't get your program around, but did you see the? Uh, they're they're begging people to get to this game. It's it's actually quite sad. They're saying if did you see the uh, the um, uh, promotion they're running, where if you buy like a special ticket to the Texas A and M Miami game, uh, you get a free ticket to the Georgia Tech game. If you're a big football school in the South, you cannot do that. You no. cannot have a promotion like that. That is, that is what we call, and oh man, I, I, I don't want to throw a school under the bus, but I will. That is a UNLV type promotion. <laughs> I mean, Boise State has that kind of promotion. I mean, I, I mean, like if you, if you are Miami, you are a five-time national champion. You cannot, you cannot be running be. The Miami boosters hacked my stuff. They didn't like what I was saying about Cristobal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Cristobal definitely on the hot seat about um, uh, if he doesn't win this game. Yeah, it's a. Uh, there's a lot like the Alabama Texas one is obviously the biggest matchup, but there's a lot of smaller matchups that have a lot of implications for the people we involved. To, we need to say a prayer for. Uh, uh, Dan Libatard and Danny Boy Kane this weekend. This is this is a big weekend for them. This is especially a big weekend for Danny Boy Kane. It is. Well, last week he had to address the NIL rumors that he was like sneaking <laughs> NIL like all by himself. Yeah. That was some two years after he came out and said that he was not accepting the offensive coordinator position. That <laughs> <laughs> Danny Boykin. Yeah, yeah, he's not accepting the offensive coordinator position. Yeah, and I'm not accepting the position of president. I wasn't elected. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not accepting it. I'm, I'm just not accepting it. Uh, it's essentially what happened with Danny Boykin. <laughs> uh, and then for my Buffalo, I'm gonna. It's a. He's a big name coach, and one of those games that I said you know was kind of under the radar. But this Boise State game is a big game for Gus Malzahn. And, and I think Gus Malzahn is extremely underrated. You know, he pretty much was – he was almost 500 with Auburn at Nick against Nick Saban, which is no yeah. – you know, Nick Saban is like 502 against everybody else in the SVP. Even like Kirby Smart's beat him, what, once now, once or twice? Once. Uh, but it's, you know – 
I always thought it was a shame that Auburn fired him. I always thought it was yeah, a shame. No, they, they, think... they fired Gus Malzahn for Idaho, Gus Malzahn. <laughs> yeah, it's – and I, like I said, I think he is extremely underrated when it comes to being a head coach. Like, yeah, you're, you know, he's not going to go undefeated every year, but his teams are never, ever bad. Like, there's never a time where you're like, oh, you know, Auburn was really bad. And he de- – like, he – you know, people forget he was the off. He won Gene Chizik a national title. He won Gene Chizik. He was the offensive coordinator when Cam Newton was there, and then he left. And he was pretty good at Arkansas State. I thought he was very. good. I don't think Auburn ever should have fired him. I, you know, I get they had a lot of hype for a couple seasons, and it didn't pan out how they wanted to. But he got him to they had one JT national title. Stidham as their quarterback, you were never going to win a national champion with JT Stidham or Jared Stidham. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, he Gus got Malzahn on is a good coach. He's yeah, a good he coach. The Nick Marshall guy who was a converted cornerback and got them within like Florida State scored with like 20 seconds left in that game yeah. to win the national title. And then mm-hmm. he, they lost the SEC championship the one year that they had a couple losses and would have made the playoff if they had won that mm-hmm. SEC title. So it's not like, you know, he was just never winning games, but. I think he's one of those guys that gets an unfair rap. And from what I've read from UCF fans, I think they're under the assumption that they should be better than what they are. Not that they're bad. You know, they are pretty much in the, were pretty much in the American athletic championship every year. They moved up this year. We'll see how they do. But, you know, I just think people will be like, Oh, we're going to the big 12 boys. You say just got killed. He lost that game. Like, Let's start looking for other options. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But he undeservedly is my Buffalo, I would say. I think that's a fair Buffalo. You put some respect on Gus Malzahn. Let's put some respect on either, you know, that, 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 that visor and those square sunglasses, you know, they're, they're, they're better than Urban. Okay, they're not sunglasses, but they're better than Urban's color shading glasses that he wears on Big Noon Kickoff. The ones that are clear inside and dark on dark during the outside segments. Yeah, uh, Troy was having Urban. quite the laugh at what Urban Meyer looked like on the Big Noon Kickoff. Uh, he always he always just looks like the little league dad who got kicked out of the game for yelling at the twelve year old ump, and then he has to sit in like center field and just like angrily chew cracked pepper seeds going. <laughs> spitting all over the place, but uh, he's the gift that keeps on giving. We have a whole fall of herb. Uh, anything else you want to say, Zuch? I don't think so. I'm excited. I don't know who plays tomorrow night. It's going to get overshadowed because the NFL starts tomorrow night, but mm-hmm. the big weekend of college football, we'll get into it on Saturday. I'm sure we'll all be texting back and forth. Well, you, Some of us might be having a conniption fit if a certain team that plays on a blue field is <laughs> down multiple scores uh but we'll see on saturday it'll be fun just a reminder we are going to have boots on the ground berkeley california it'll be it, it's going to be a fun time i i i have not seen oh you know now that i'm thinking about it this is this is where i ended i don't think i've ever seen an sec team play in person I, I, okay i guess i've seen oklahoma play in person and I guess that's technically an SEC team now. I don't think I've ever seen an SEC school play in person before. Well, you so will have your I cannot wait to see the fan. I cannot wait Auburn to see faithful. the Auburn fan. 
oh man, they're gonna go to these cow. I, I'm honestly gonna feel bad. This this is essentially like the bully in the '90s high school movie shoving the kid in the locker. This is what I think. <laughs> Auburn fans will do to Cal fans. But thank you for listening to episode three of Zucha Wild Podcast. Make sure to follow Settle Down on Instagram. It's, it's just at Settle Down Pod, right, Zuch, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Or is it just at Settle Down? I don't know. It's got a blue microphone for a um, <laughs> for a, um, a profile pic. So make sure you follow us on uh, Instagram. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs>